For 75 years, NMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Five minutes after the hour of 11. Hour number two kicks off momentarily with Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. We will get back to the college football reverberating shakeup that apparently is upon us. So when we, at the bottom of the hour, speak with our friend Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Stars, covered the Big 12, Kansas K-State, Mizzou when they were in it for for decades. We'll get hear from Blair at the bottom of the hour. But as promised, NFL camps are open. We are going to do some NFL conversation with one of our guys. He's Vinny Iyer. Uh, from the Sporting News, he's got his pre-season power rankings out today. But the big news, of course, is that Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay and training camp is upon us and he's part of it. Vinny, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Vinny. Um, I guess it was headed in that direction when uh, Green Bay made it very clear that they are not going to trade this asset, that they expect him to play for them or nobody else this year. Um, so did Rodgers blink? Is that how you see it? Well, I think uh, he's just being real about the situation. I think also Aaron Rodgers actually wants a little bit of freedom in that contract. Money-wise, look, people can focus on how exactly he's getting paid. Is he the highest-paid quarterback? However, you look at the parameters of the contract, but in the end, Aaron Rodgers is going to be fine for money, no matter how you look at it. I mean, he's one of those quarterbacks who's transcended just making his money from the sport. He's got his uh, endorsement deals. He's got a whole bunch of other things going on here. We know it as an investor. So the money is not going to be as big of a deal to him. And knowing that if he continues to play at a high level, that will take care of itself here. So I think it's win-win. I just, these NFL contracts are that built that way where you don't really have much leverage to begin with. So I think he's just trying to get what little he can, and that gives him a way to maybe get out of the steal after one more year, a little bit easier for both sides to make that happen. If that's where Green Bay wants to go and just turn the page and go to Jordan Love and quarterback. So I think it allows for some flexibility and, and some things in there, but at the same time, there's nothing where you'd feel bad for Aaron Rodgers, the way that he's playing out this contract and things that are going on for him. So I think hopefully they can come to some kind of understanding. Are they going to fully respect him and say, you're the quarterback going forward. We're going to trust you to the end of your career. We know you have a lot left. Or, look, it's been a good run, but we're feeling a different vibe here. We want to go somewhere else. We want to go in a different direction. Let's just mutually agree to part ways here. So it's going to be definitely a make-or-break year for that relationship uh, going forward and could uh, have a lot of ripple effects across the league here. Taking the relationship a step further, this is something that that just has stuck in my mind throughout this whole summer. We saw him and Devontae Adams getting together, tweeting out the same picture of MJ and Scottie Pippen together here, what, a week or so ago. But inside that locker room, Aaron Rodgers obviously has got a lot of friends, a lot of people that respect him, but it's an ever-evolving and changing uh, locker room that you have there. How much work do you think he has to be done in, and could that go south? Well, I think they could try to put this on him, and I think that's what management is trying to do in a way, is that trying to make Aaron Rodgers the bad guy. And I, I'm tired of this. I mean, we always feel like the player is the bad guy or trying to portray him as a good bad guy, or 
these guys are great guys that they did something altruistic to stay with the team and are there. Like, let's not get, go there with any of these players. Like, they are what they are. And look, everyone wants to play with a great player that lifts your entire team. Mm-hmm. They like winning. They like the feeling of it. I mean, Devontae Adams and Robert Tunyon, they're not the players that they are now without Aaron Rodgers being their quarterback. It's yep. simply not there. The offensive line, the spotlight of David Bakhtiari and all these guys have been there for a long time. They don't get the same maybe recognition if they weren't if protecting for a top-notch quarterback that's helping them in many ways as well. So their teammate bond, I think, in the NFL goes beyond just saying, okay, we have good locker room chemistry. You need some of these other guys to lift your ability in this league and in in the end, they also maximize your contracts in this league. So I think looking at it, David Bakari had some fun there on social media. We know Adams is tight with uh, Rogers. Robert Tunyon has a pretty good relationship with him. So the main guys are there. And I, I think in this day and age, I think NFL players respect others for kind of wanting exactly what they want in this league. And I don't think you should be ashamed of that at this point. So now if there is a quarterback needy team or a team that looks like they're on the precipice of being a playoff contender if they only had a quarterback not named Drew Locke um, is Deshaun Watson the, the the one remaining I guess domino that's still out there I don't know if he'll play for Houston he's in training camp he didn't want to get fined what's the likelihood that Deshaun Watson is on the move here in the next couple of weeks well, I think the biggest hurdle here is, first of all, is he going to be available for right. him to play? Like, we don't know the investigation. Right. It's really hard to convince a general manager to make a blockbuster deal, especially with Texans' huge asking price. So, yeah, is, are the Texans more open to trading him? Yes. But when you have really high demands and you know a lot of teams are going to have some trepidation about sending the farm for a guy that you don't even know is going to help you right away in 20. 21, then it's just not going to happen here for a while. So I, 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 I have no idea the way it's going to play out this drama. It could be a situation where a team just trades for him and hopes for the best that these things are cleared or they're trying to find out more information. I, it, it's a lot yet to be kind of uh, dissected here. And part of it is why Deshaun Watson doesn't want to be there. You look at this team, it, there's just not a lot of talent there. and They haven't really, really? kept main guys that he would like. I mean, you lose J.J. Watt, you think maybe his career's kind of near-ending, but then he joins DeAndre Hopkins out there in Arizona. So I, I just think there's a lot of bad vibes with that organization. And again, Deshaun Watson isn't wanting out necessarily to kind of cover things up or hope the investigation goes in a different direction if he's out of Houston. I think legitimately there's some other issues. So I think there's a little bit of a correlation there, but not causation. Vinny, uh, Ken and I are both big fans of the NFC East. You know, if we're not watching our team or a team that matters to us here in our market, we like the NFC East. But the play the last couple of years has <laughs> left something to be desired. I go to another division in the NFC, and that's the West. With the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, I think all with realistic Super Bowl aspirations. And then that upstart Cardinals team that got off to a great start last year. This division, I think, is going to be as fun as any. What are your takeaways? Who do you like in the NFC West? Well, I think, don't discount the NFC East. I think it's going to be a little bit more exciting this year than we think. A lot of good offensive skill players in that division, but we know the NFC West is loaded with those type of players. So when you look at it, I think it's going to be a fun division. I think the one team, I'll just say this, one team that's kind of overrated to me is 
are the Rams. I don't see this, some big spike. I mean, they lost more than people would like to admit on defense. I mean, you lose two key parts of your secondary there to complement Jalen Ramsey. You still have some other issues at linebacker on your defense that you're trying to solve. You can't just say Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you're going to put things together. And I don't think people else understand losing Brandon Staley is a pretty big loss here that he goes to the other side of Los Angeles. So that defense is not going to be as good as people might think or expect based on what happened last year. And then offensively, losing Cam Akers is a massive blow to this team. He was going to be a big part of what they did to take pressure off Matthew Stafford, get the ball downfield. So that's a team I'm concerned about. I think you look at the underrated team, I would say the Cardinals. I mean, there's some issues now with Chandler Jones and him wanting to be there. But offensively with Kyler Murray, the sky's the limit there with A.J. Green. It's probably going to be a bit rejuvenated playing with Hopkins. So that team's underrated. But I think the teams that are right where you think they would be are the 49ers and Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks are an easy team to read because they've been consistent. You know what you're going to get from their defense for the most part. Russell Wilson having a new offense coordinator, so there's some buzz around that. And then the 49ers, their new level of excitement comes from when does Trey Lance start and add another dimension to their offense over Jimmy Garoppolo. So, yeah, I'm excited to see a lot of those storylines play out. I mean, on the field, there's a lot to be excited about in the NFC West, but also off the field, we need to figure out a lot of things that are tied to some big changes on these teams. Uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News is our guest. Vinny, I want to go back to the NFC North and where Green Bay has had uh, posted back-to-back 13-3 and seasons. Uh, I would buy stock in the Chicago Bears. I'm not necessarily this year, although I might get a little bit lower this year. But I think their year is next year. I'm, I want to focus on the Vikings with you because it feels like it's it's Mike Zimmer has to get this team back, and I know he's had them there in the past. Uh, but I think that the window is open for this club. Their defensive line is markedly improved. Injuries, uh, COVID um, uh, sit-downs for the entire year. The, the injuries in their linebacker core solved. I think they've addressed the offensive line, maybe not as uh, to the uh, point where they feel 100% comfortable, but they're going to be better. I like this Vikings team to pose a major threat to the Packers. Do you? Yeah, this is a team that always should be in conversation. It's just sometimes putting little things together. They seem to have trouble closing a few type of games that cost them there. Like these close games, I think it's one of those teams that analysts look at and people obsessed with things like Pythagorean wins and all that. And you always look at the Vikings, they should be almost like a shoe-in 10-win team every year. But things happen, and... Their defense has had to go through some big changes here, rebuilding a lot of moving parts there. Offensively, I think they have a really strong identity with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, a run-heavy team, but a lot of play action and big plays as well with Kirk Cousins' arms. So, yeah, on paper, I think they should be a lot better. It was a little bit uh, frustrating probably to see the Bears with their makeshift offense with Mr. Trubisky and Nick Foles make the playoffs last year, but a lot of their success was based on the defense. So, the Vikings can get a little bit more complimentary zone defense than they've had here in the past couple of years. They've had to remix their secondary as well, and that's been a bit of an issue. They still have some strength there, uh, bringing Patrick Peterson, Harrison Smith, so has some left there to help them. Yeah, the Vikings definitely are dangerous. It's just, can they get those nip and tuck close games against better teams in their favor to make sure that they're getting up to the win total that they should be getting to? Last year, the Chiefs were so close to back-to-back. Didn't happen. The offensive line, a main reason for that. So what do they do? They go out and completely revamp it, including bringing in a great left tackle in Orlando Brown Jr. Now, 
What concerns you with the Chiefs team? 14 and 2 last year. Is there any else, anything else that you can point to to say, yeah, I, I don't love this Chiefs team? Well, I think they're trying to reinvent themselves a little bit. Not crazily, but I think what you'll see is more emphasis on the running game. I think they went away from that a little bit. Well, we know that Sandy Reid's tendency, right? If he gets enamored, and you, why wouldn't you? If you have Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Travis Kelsey, and Terry Kill throwing the ball downfield. But look at the way their offseason has gone down. They kind of said, all right, Sammy Watkins wasn't really moving the needle for us as a complimentary weapon. Let's see what Michael Hardman can do a little bit more. And let's go, instead of investing in tackle, let's invest in the interior line a little bit more, get Joe Thune in there, let's get stronger there to be between the tackles. So, look, teams are going to play Patrick Mahomes and the passing game and be afraid of that. You're always going to have running lanes available for you. You're going to always have checkdowns available. I think Clyde edwards Lair, I thought he was going to be a bigger part of what they did. He did have some big games as a rookie, as a first-round pick, but I think he was still underutilized there, especially as a receiver. And then when teams are there scared of the big play to Hill or Kelsey, use that. Run the ball against them. I think they had, could have had some success doing that against the Buccaneers. But, again, I think that's why they went in this direction here, to be a little bit more balanced. To, and when you run the ball, you're going to support your passer even better. You're going to support your defense well. And it's going to just give you a chance to win more games late, especially if uh, teams are playing you against the pass. Uh, Vinny, my last thing for you. Vinny I from the Sporting News is our guest. Vinny, when you when you look at all 32 teams in the NFL, who's the one team that you're kind of out there on an island by yourself that, that nobody else is picking or uh, that you can't understand why nobody else is giving this team more respect? Is there one of those teams, Vinny, that you um, have identified that you think is going to be better than the consensus says that they are going to be? Well, I think the Chargers can be really good. And, I, and not saying that we haven't seen people talk about the Chargers, but I think there's something about that team. When you look at Brandon Staley, the influence on the defense he's going to have there, and you have some special pieces there, Joey Bosa, Derwin yeah. James, some guys that can really make plays. I like the linebacker Murray as well. I think he'd be a big impact player for them. So I really like the pieces on the Chargers team. I think their offense is actually better for Justin Herbert's skill set with the Joe Lombardi in there. I think he'll use Mike Williams a little bit more. Keenan Allen, you know, the elite receiver, Austin Eckler, still one of those underrated great backs in this league with everything he can do, unique skill set he has. So I do watch for the Chargers. I know a lot of buzz in L.A. is on the Rams, but I think there's not enough about the Chargers. I think making the Chiefs sweat a little bit, but clearly when you look at the Broncos and Raiders stumbling upon themselves, this is a team that maybe is not getting enough hype with the Browns and the Bills of the world as a, a team that can emerge and again challenge the Chiefs a little bit more than we might expect. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News covers the NFL. He's a Northwestern grad, a three-time Jeopardy champion, and we're, we're grateful that he's uh, a part of our uh, guest rotation. Vinny, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Vinny. Appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you do the same. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News as we talk NFL. So with 32 teams, where does he have the Denver Broncos in his power rankings? 18th. 27. Yuck. Yuck is right. I, they're going to be better. I agree with you. That. That's the team. I, I can't say that. If I wasn't a Bronco mm-hmm. fan and I took off my Broncos glasses, I think they're going to be better. I do, too. I, I bet on that. During our TV show this did. summer, yeah, what, yeah. that was probably... A month and a half mm-hmm. ago, maybe two mm-hmm. months. It was a while back that they're just something, and they're always there. Well, not last year. But even when they bottom out, they don't. They're not two and fourteen. No, they're five and eleven. Five and eleven. <laughs> yeah.
which is not that's great. Ba- that's the like they went three Super Bowls since I've been on the air, so I'm not bitching. You've yeah. been a long time since your Bears have. Well, I was in kindergarten. I'm 41 now. Right, it's been, been a, a long while. time. Uh, speaking of Super Bowls, as we were in Vegas last week, got the kids a couple of stuffed animals walking around uh, down to Fremont Street one of the days. Uh, as we we're finishing our radio show, it was Friday, and I'm like, "What should I get my wife?" And there just wasn't anything, and she doesn't need anything, and I didn't want to get some, you know, stupid little trinket. I'm like, oh, I know. I've told you before. She loves the Vikings. No, did you? Good for you. Yep. You, you got a future? Got a future ticket, a Super <laughs> Bowl ticket for 20 bucks. It was 20 awesome. to 1, but would have got it after the draft. They were 50 to 1 after the draft. Yeah. And, of course, all the speculation with Aaron Rodgers, I think, dropped that mm-hmm. price even more. But mm-hmm. did that, and she goes... So I get four hundred and twenty dollars if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. I say, yeah, don't be counting your money yet over there, hun. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're going to be good. I do too. Can I would, they win the division? Good. Yes. Yeah. I if I had to make a bet right now, yeah, on anybody of the four, though that Lions would. I I know I might be ridiculous. No, they're not good. At Thirty to one. And look, I love it's long shots, but I love long shots that you can make a case for, even though it's a you know a far out there case. I you can't with the them. Detroit Lions. Yeah, you can't do that. Um, well, how good is Green Bay going to be with Rodgers? I see. I don't. I don't sense the animosity in the locker room that you think may be there. And uh, I don't know because Rodgers does seem like a guy that very easily can mend fences. Right. Every every Sunday at noon or three thirty or Monday. <laughs> well, night. it's just his personality. I think. It works to that. He just seems like the kind of guy that is pretty easy to get along with, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't have that, I don't know, same aura of some of the past guys. It just is intriguing more than anything to me. But last summer... He walked in the locker room today, Hope, and Hope came right with him. You saw that picture of him, too. I did. With the big sunglasses and the office t-shirt yeah. on. Got a little Hollywood to him. Yes, he does. But he walks in there and it gives you hope. Yeah, we can win a Super Bowl. All last summer, though, I said this team is up for aggression. Every analytical piece that you mm-hmm. read says the Packers are going to take a huge step back. Boom, 13-3. and 13-3 three. Three again. NFC Championship, they're going to host it. So, same thing. I'm not going to go down that path as I did last summer, saying that. But I believe, truthfully, that, yes, regression is going to happen again. But Aaron Rodgers made me look so bad. I'm not going to be as firm in my opinion that I was last year. Well, look, if the Vikings are better, that's got to be at the expense of somebody above them. Mm-hmm. and Because and I, I think the Bears are going to spin their wheels. Um, Justin Fields is going to play. And by the end of the season, that's what's going to carry you into the offseason. You can't wait for the Fields era to start. 11-6 and six gets you a share of the division title. You go 12-5, and five, you win it. Is that fair? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think the Vikings have a or better... 11-5... and five. Uh, you stand alone, ten and six. You get a share. Remember, seventeen games. No, a ten and seven round. Ten and yeah. seven. Yeah. yeah. Now I think eleven. Vikings get to eleven. All right. What's their over under? It's not that. It's certainly not that. Is it a nine and a half? I think. So. I think it is nine and a half. Was there a flat nine out there somewhere too? Maybe. Now we're gonna have Perhaps. to go back. Uh, I do know this. It's time to go for the cream on KXNO. You can win $1,000 right now by texting the keyword money to 200-200. That's money to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star has covered the Big 12 for decades. We'll get his perspective on what's happening, on what's next, when he joins us when we come back on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. 
Miller and Condon, welcome back. Just past 11.30. If you missed it before we went to break, the keyword is money to 200-200. This is the final week of this contest, by the way. Money to 200-200. And our fine radio station does not have a winner yet uh, during this go-around. So let's see if we can um, correct that wrong, write that wrong. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City star. He's covered the Big 12 and versions of it for decades. He's with us uh, to discuss uh, from their perspective uh, what's what's going on with Kansas and K-State, where it may all lead. Blair, Trenton, Ken, busy times for for everybody in this business. I appreciate you finding some time for us here today. Um, it's been made official, as you know, that Texas and Oklahoma uh, are out, and they've requested admission to the SEC. It seems like that's almost rubber stamp at this point. Uh, but uh, just from uh, from where from your perspective, Blair, obviously it's not good news for Kansas and K State. What's next for those uh, for the remaining eight schools in the Big Twelve? Uh, yeah, guys, hope you guys are doing okay. Uh, that's that's the question that we've all been asking for the last I don't know, you know, six days, right? Since the news broke last Wednesday, mm-hmm. and it became apparent that uh, that Texas and Oklahoma were going to be gone from the Big Twelve. So I, I see a couple of options here for the schools that are remaining, and that is to stay together as the Big 12, add anywhere from two to, I don't know, eight members to go to 10 to 12 to 16 and, um, and, and continue that way, understanding that there is no, there's nobody outside of an existing Power, con- power 5 conference school that would bring the value that was lost with Texas and Oklahoma. So there would be a realization of lost income for the TV contract, or you find out what other power five conferences, specifically the big 10, the PAC 12, even the ACC are looking at and what they're thinking about in terms of expansion. If they're thinking about it at all. One, one thing I found interesting from the, you know, the nugget of news today in which, Oklahoma and Texas formally applied for membership of the SEC was they, they, they said in a, those two schools said in a joint statement that, um, that they would, uh, they would apply for admission to the SEC and would want to be accepted on July 1st, 2025. So listen, there, we could, um, no, no conference realignment has taken that long to right. occur, you know, and, but, what I'm what the first thing I thought of was if Texas and Oklahoma are serious about this and they don't want to um, pay the exit fees or the penalties that they'll have to pay tens of millions of dollars to the other Big 12 schools, that this gives college sports you know time to make uh, adjustments and to maybe reshape the college sports landscape. You know, in previous realignments. And I, not just the one 10, 12 years ago in the Big 12, but I go back 25 years ago when the Big 8 and the Southwest Conference formed. All that was done in a matter of you know weeks. You know, moves had to be made immediately. And um, I'm not saying bad moves were made, but certainly hasty moves were made. And without much planning, it was let's let's make a short you know let's find a short term solution for this problem and didn't look at the long long term. And now I look at this as an opportunity. If everybody can take a breath, uh, that, that, you know, let's let's look at the long term and see what the 21st century college sports landscape could or should look like, and where 
you know, especially schools from this part of the country, the middle of America, see where they fit into the, the grand scheme of things. Blair Kirkhoff, Kansas City star here. Blair, speaking of Texas, because Texas, they've just been such a pain to everybody. And ultimately, Texas A&M and Nebraska leaving, it's very easy to point the fingers at them. This is an athletic department that has a ton of money. But short of that, won a national championship in 2005. But me growing up, kid, the guy that's in his 40s now, they were very good. The 80s, 90s, not a real healthy football program, basketball program under Tom Pender's not very good. So why do they have this power? Is it just that, just the money and maybe that Texas mentality that comes along with it? A little bit of both of that. And um, and they have the brand value, the the same brand value that got Nebraska into the Big Ten is what Texas is the cachet that Texas brings to the SEC. And they also bring, they help bring the state of Texas for recruiting into that conference. I, there's a bit of me that thinks Texas really wants to make the move because once A&M left the conference, that that swung the door open for SEC schools in the state of Texas for, for recruiting. And the school most damaged by that was the University of Texas. Look, they've made some poor hires with head coaches as well, but just look at the number of players they've, you know, that are have gone through the the draft out of Texas. It's it's not very many, you know, since the Mac Brown era. And I I think part of me says it was this matter of we can't beat them, so we'll join them in the SEC, and we'll be able to tell kids from Houston and Dallas that. If you want to play in the SEC, you don't have to go to A and M. You can come to the state's flagship school, right. and, uh, and 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 uh, and and you'll still be in the SEC. So there's that as well. Um, Texas has always been in a power, a position of influence. It was that way when the when the Big Twelve started, and it was that way when the Big Twelve almost split up ten years ago. It was the reason that Texas didn't go to the Pac-12 uh, a decade ago was because it couldn't take the Longhorn Network into that conference. Mm-hmm. So. Texas just said, "Okay, we'll stay in the Big Twelve and and uh, have our Longhorn Network here." So they have all, they've always carried that weight around. And but you're right, Trent. It's got nothing to do with their you know with their performance on the field, which has really really been disappointing by the level of expectation their fans have for their programs. Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Stars, our guest. Blair, I understand why the remaining eight want to put up a unified front. Uh, I guess on the surface they appear stronger that way, but at the same time, I don't think any of the athletic directors and school presidents would be doing their job uh, if they're not making calls and seeing what's out there. Kirk Bowles, who I know you know from the Austin American Statement, tweeted out this morning that he he was told that Kansas and Iowa State, uh, parentheses, both AAU members, have made a run at the Big Ten. Uh, do you believe that that's, uh, that source that Kansas and Iowa State have already reached out to the Big Ten? And if so, what's the likelihood in your mind that they get folded into that conference? Well, without I don't know this for a fact, but I think I think those schools have also reached out to the Pac-12 as well, and I wouldn't be surprised if they reached out to the ACC just to you absolutely have to you have to make the calls. Now, with those, you know, it's, it's one thing for the school to call the conference. Uh, it's another thing for the conference to call the school. And uh, right. uh, so I, I think it's just a matter of uh, absolutely doing your due diligence. If you're, you know, if you're Jamie Pollard or Travis Goff, who's the new athletic director at KU, or Gene Taylor, the, the athletic director at Kansas State, all, all the athletic directors have to you know, do do what's in the best interest of their school, and and yeah, the, 
the Big 12 staying together is at least, an, I, I think, an option for, you know, if, if nothing, if, if things don't work out otherwise, it's an option for the, the remaining Big 12 schools. But if you have an opportunity, if a school has an opportunity to join one of the existing Power Five conferences, I think it has to do that. And in the state of Kansas, you know, if that means separating Kansas and Kansas State from in-conference affiliation, uh, whether it's KU going to the Big Ten or K-State going to the Pac-12, whatever it is, it has to happen. The school has to look out for its own interests. We're seeing that play out right now in Oklahoma, where if you read the statement by the, the Oklahoma State president yesterday, was just absolutely furious that Oklahoma would would uh, you know be in cahoots with Texas at the expense of another state school in Oklahoma State. So, listen, that's just the way it's just the way things work in the college sports landscape today. But, like I said earlier, if if there's time to think it out and to have a sort of a a master plan for this, then I, I, I think colleges need to uh, and conferences especially need to take the opportunity to do so. Who's in a more precarious situation if the remaining eight completely blow up? Is it Kansas State from your neck of the woods, or would you say it's Baylor? Those are those would be my top two choices, mm-hmm. um, and and I say that for for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it's uh, w- at least what I've read. I haven't spoken to anyone from Baylor about this, but uh, Baylor has a religious affiliation issue that's not uh, that. There's a reason why Baylor wasn't included with the uh, a decade ago with the other uh, Big 12 schools that were being offered membership into the then Pac, you know, Pac 12 or Pac 10, whatever it was, and it had to do with you know Baylor being a Baptist school, the religious affiliation. That you know, it's it's one of the reasons why BYU has had so much trouble getting into a conference, and uh, you know, the Pac 12 doesn't want. Uh, that in in um, they, they don't want to school with a religious affiliation in their uh, you know uh, in, in their conference. So that that is a, and, and this is you know however you feel about it. Baylor certainly the product of Baylor right now has been pretty darn yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, they, winning an NCAA basketball title this past year, they've won the Big Twelve football, have played in a couple of you know major bowl games in the last decade, and have been very competitive in their non-revenue sports. But Kansas State, I think this has been a pretty disheartening last week for them to see what the national climate is about their program and not seeing themselves being associated with any other Power Five program or Power Five conference. You know, and and, and sort of, I think that school asking itself, what more could it have done? You know, they've they've been to bowl, I think it's 21 years, uh, 21 bowl games in the last 27 years, and they were bowl eligible for two two other of those years. So bowl eligible for 23 of the last 27 years. You know their their facilities are fantastic. They have um, every time every time there's been some sort of progress and change in the NCAA, they've kept up with it, and um, and and they feel like they're in. Uh, you know they've done all they can for their athletes and for the conference, and and it's the one who's brand basically is is being looked at by other power conferences saying it's just it's just not there how can anybody trust anybody uh in this business anymore i mean sankey and bullsby sat across the table from each other for for i don't know how long it was but a period of time while they hashed out the expansion of the college football playoff all the while greg sankey knew uh that going to 12 teams playoff was going to benefit his conference 
and knowing that that um, Oklahoma and Texas uh, were a matter of days away from their announcing that they want to uh, join the SEC. How can anybody trust anybody, Blair? Oh, that's that's a great question. That that's that's a really a good column to write too, because you're you're absolutely right. Sankey and Bowlesby were part of the the conference uh, play conference uh, uh, not conference the college football playoff expansion committee that um, that agreed on increasing um, the, the 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 bracket from four to twelve teams, which I which is going to happen in a in a couple of years. But I will say this, and I, and Bob Bowlesby told me this at Big Twelve Media Days a couple of weeks ago that. They met in person several times in the first. It was a two-year process, and Craig Thompson of the of the Mountain West, Commissioner of the Mountain West, and Jack Swarbrick, the uh, the uh, Notre Dame athletic director, were, were also part of that four-member committee. And they met in person several times in the first year, but once COVID hit, they didn't. The, everything was done via Zoom, so it wasn't like they had to sit across from each other at a conference table and um, and keep information from each other, but. You're right. Just getting from the the sense I got from Big 12 media days is not only did Bob Bowlesby not know about it, but neither did Lincoln Riley or Steve Sarkeesian. Um, so uh, this was the tightest possible circle uh, for um, you know of secrecy for this issue. And ESPN was involved behind the scenes. I don't think there's any yep. doubt about that. I want to find that layer of it, Blair. Will we ever know to the extent that ESPN did they did they jumpstart this or kickstart this? What uh, what was the, I mean? We know they had a role. How big was it? Well, the the role that they played, at least what, what, what's known now, is the, um, the, the a couple of things have happened in the last few months. Right? It was. Um, basically, ESPN buying out CBS's spot in the in the SEC uh, for SEC property. Remember, CBS had the that three thirty afternoon kickoff time on mm-hmm. Saturday and got great games in that window. ESPN bought that from uh, from from the SEC, so basically kicked CBS out of that conference. So they they strengthened their position within the SEC. And also, with this past summer, the Big 12 went to ESPN and to Fox, its, you know, its partners, and said, we'd like to begin talking about renegotiating our, our contract, which expires in 24-25. And both said they're not, they're not willing to do that right now. So while ESPN was making moves to you know, you know, help other conferences, including starting the ACC network and um, and then, and, and, you know, dealing with the SEC, it basically said, nope, not interested in you guys in the Big 12. We'll, you know, we're going to put you off. So I think that, I think that set up some, set off some alarms in Oklahoma and Texas. And they said, well, wait a second. What's, you know, what's going on here? Why are we in a conference that, uh, that doesn't want to, you know, that, it, that isn't talking or, or won't talk to our, our network partners about this? And so I wonder if calls weren't made then between, hmm. you know, uh, Del Conte at Texas and Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma with their presidents and ESPN officials to say what is, what's what's the end game here? What are we, what are we working on? What's what, what's the deal? And maybe the nudge came from there. Who who knows? Uh, but maybe we won't know until someone writes the tell-all book. But. That's something I would love to know. As would we. Good stuff, Blair Kirkhoff. We love having you on. Thank you for finding time with us. We know you're going to be busy in the next four weeks as the Chiefs take center stage, but this is a massive, massive story. Thank you, Blair. Appreciate it. Hey, great catching up with you guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Blair Kirkhoff.
from the Kansas City Star. 25 years plus on the beat. Been covering it a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think, when you think about it, there, there's a lot of uh, gray beards that cover the Big 12, right? Uh, Kurt Bowles, we've got one here at our newspaper, Randy Peterson. Kirkhoff's been involved for a long time. Barry Trammell. Barry Trammell's been involved for a long time. Um, where does this go? We'll uh, take our final time out. Come back. You got a play of the day today. You took last night off. Ah, uh, yeah, we got something you up got the sleeve something? here. Yeah. All right. We'll find out next. Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO. Why don't have Rush on your side? My final couple of minutes of the program. Welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Apparently, you're being turned into the FCC. Yeah, got a big meeting right after uh, the show finishes up here. Hope everything goes well. I do, too. I don't like working by myself, but Mm -hmm. I guess if there is a time to do it, it is football season. I guess I'll find out next week since you're on vacation. Right. Uh, But nonetheless, good luck to you with that. Thank you. Uh, Wish you the the best. Um, What was I going to say? Well, we do have uh, David Kaplan tomorrow, Mm -hmm. anxious to talk about the Cubs and the Reds. I have not watched hardly any Olympics, or certainly not as much as I thought I would. Uh, maybe that'll change once we get the track and field events. Uh, so that means I'm going to be locked on the Reds and the Cups tonight because it's kind of appointment TV as we saw the walk-off yesterday. Well, and it's it's so frustrating anymore. Alerts you have set up on your phone. I woke up this morning, opened up the phone, and first thing I see is what I was hoping to see tonight, tonight. on television right. with the gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Close your ears, but... And I think I'm still going to watch, just yeah. kind of see how it unfolds on television and, and the way that NBC puts it together. But just in the old days, if you really wanted to not find out, you could. Right. Now, it's, it's, it's really so tough. much more difficult. You're really tough. You know who's been good with what I've seen? Uh, Michael Phelps. Yes, absolutely. Whether he's at the pool, although I like Rowdy Gaines. I mean, he's, he's into this. Uh, but Phelps in studio with Mike Tirico. What a pro, by the way. What, what can't he do? I don't know. I so we saw him call a hockey game this mm-hmm. year. Didn't he call the outdoors game at uh, in uh, Lake Tahoe? I'm pretty sure he did. And he was good at it. He was good at it. Right. He's good at everything. Uh, what's your play of the day? I got two of them. Uh, two underdogs I like tonight. Late night tonight. Both nine ten first pitches. Grab Seattle. Chris Flexen, who's pretty good against Seattle Houston. Seattle is right on the cusp of a wild card. And that comeback last night was yeah. What were they down? Seven zips. Seven nothing. Seven nothing. One at eleven eight, huh. including a grand slam late in that game. And also uh, this evening, I like the A's against the Padres. It's Chris Paddock on the mound for San Diego. He has not been very good. So we're going to go A's Mariners here with two picks, both underdogs. One of them hits, you're making money. Both of them hits, you're making a lot more money. Indeed you are. So you're putting them together or just by themselves? Oh, you know what? We might uh, might do a little Dabble round, in a little parlay. Little round robin okay. action. Yeah, hit them both and then hit them one time with the parlay and see what we can come up with and profitable after going 3-0 and in Vegas on sports bets. Mm, boy. Yeah, I finally I, I snapped out of my Vegas slump from May as well. And you found your new favorite place. I love place to- horses at, sport, at South Point. Yeah. It, it's really, it's great. I mean, they cater to the horse player. I uh, love that. Can't say that uh, about <laughs> a lot of the property. And I don't get it because there's no risk. It's all profit. Right. Every time you walk to the counter, they keep 15 cents of your dollar, regardless if you win or not. But there's not enough of us. That's right. the deal. That's the key. Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics at three. Uh, what goes tonight? A Cyclone Insider. It's a, That should be good. Yes, well, it's absolutely. always good. Uh, Petey and Hines, etc. Tonight at 6. Miller and Connor, thanks for being with us on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KX and 106.3 FM.